fellow lighting nerds and friends to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast, powered by the Lighting Showroom Association and hosted by yours truly, Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for joining us yet again. Um, I appreciate you very much. I just started, in case you missed it, a um, online Facebook group for the podcast. It is open to all members of the podcast uh, community, whether you are um, an LSA Lighting Showroom Association uh, member or not. Uh, The idea is that I would love to get feedback from the group and engage um, all week long on the topics we discuss here and even get your two cents on topics that maybe we should discuss on an upcoming episode. So if you're on Facebook, please join the group. It's of course free to join. (laughs) Just search for Illuminati, the Light Files podcast group, or just the Light Files and you'll find it. But I figured we're lighting Illuminati. Why not call ourselves that? (laughs) Anyway, so please join us and um, I can't wait to continue the conversations with you all week long. So uh, on this week's podcast, I want to talk a little about um, a new skill I have acquired. No, (laughs) new skills I'm working on. How about that? I think that's a better way to say it. Um, I think it is important for all of us as business owners and managers um, to always be working on uh, new skills or new ways of viewing things or trying to, you know, find the next thing that's going to help our employees, our customers, our uh, warehouse, our our operations, whatever it is. I definitely think um, when you become stagnant and stop trying to reach another level or learn a new skill or whatever the case may be, um, I definitely think that's where things can start to fall apart, you know, when you become complacent. Um, and it's real easy to be complacent. I uh, definitely sometimes have to remind myself (laughs) why it is I do what I do, um, why I love it, why I enjoy it, why I worry about it so much. Um, there's, uh, a lot that goes into that. And because I have such, um, compassion, that's not the right passion, I think is the word I was looking for. And, um, because I care so much about what we're doing or trying to do, um, sometimes it can just be a a touch on the overwhelming side. So, um, I can lose my way a bit in terms of remembering why it is I do what I do. And one of the best ways for me to become re-engaged with the why of my job and, you know, why I've have taken on this business is when I, um, start learning a new skill or focusing on a new skill. And, um, that is super, super helpful for me in a lot of ways to break out of a mental funk and, you know, who doesn't like to learn something new where you're never too old. So I would love to hear in that Facebook discussion group I just mentioned, um, what new skills you've been working on uh, in your business, however big or small, maybe it's uh, you've been working on um, a better way to categorize the product in the database, you know, in your uh, point of sale. Like I, I the I, options are endless here, but I would love to hear from you what new skill you've been working on in your business that is either engaging you or your staff or had some positive, even or if it's a negative impact 
Um, I would love to hear about that. So please do join the Facebook group and let me know what new skill you've been working on. But the skill I've been working on has been online sales. <laughs> so I know selling online and e-commerce is a kind of a touchy subject for a lot of us who own uh, brick and mortar lighting showrooms. And um, by no means do I have any designs on becoming like the next Wayfair or anything. Um, I actually believe their business model is way more about um, their technology and logistics programs more so than about, you know, caring that they, you know, sell the right goods, goods to their customers. And, you know, it's just a different business model, right. And, and where they make their money is a different way than we do as lighting showrooms. So that's fine. But I do believe, and I know a lot of us believe during the pandemic and after, and I think probably lingering, gosh, for the foreseeable future is that customers who potentially hadn't been as comfortable with making online purchases, um, suddenly had little choice, but to do that during the pandemic. And now that they've kind of gotten past that hurdle, they're all way more comfortable with purchasing online than they would have been before. So I'm not trying to capture the entire market of online sales, but I am trying to be a participant in uh, the e-commerce community and uh, trying to use all of the modern day tools that are available to me to do so. Most of these tools, by the way, that I'm um, using are little, I'm not going to say free, but little to no cost. And most of it is a time and energy investment <laughs> as with anything in running a business, right? So the first thing I started doing, and I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, um, but it's worth mentioning again because this is what sort of led me down this road. Um, I have chosen for my business a strategy of primarily uh, digital marketing. So really what that means for me is the only marketing dollars I spend for my business are on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, specifically. Um, I, well, I have to say one of my original goals was to build my audience, to have, uh, reach to a greater number of people that were seeing our messages, which, you know, <laughs> with the algorithms that Meta uses, um, sometimes it's uh, more effective than others. <laughs> but, you know, when you get a good post that hits and you're getting a lot of um, interaction or views on it, um, it the calculus come, becomes pretty simple about, you know, promoting that post and throwing some dollars behind it. And so I started doing that. And I also, uh, at the same time started a data feed to the, it's all the meta business now, but at the time when I started it, it was like a Facebook shop and it was basically, you know, provide us a data feed link and, um, you know, similar to my own website, you know, Facebook would throw the product and the pricing and everything out there. And you just kind of, you know, when I first did it, I just like winged it out there and, you know, just sat back to see what would happen. And for a very long time, quite honestly, nothing happened, <laughs> but it sat there. I would get 
questions about goods that showed up in our online store on Facebook or Instagram every so often, but that was really it. Um, but I do say, I, I will say, I'm not totally sure what happened. Um, I can't quite track it back. But for the past, let me say, three to six months, all of a sudden, we've been selling pretty regularly via Facebook and Instagram. Now, not this is not enough to sustain a business. These are <laughs> a couple sales here and there, uh, but they are happening. So I've been trying to learn how to make these sales um, more effective. <laughs> and that has been a bit of a challenge. Um, there is so much that goes into um, displaying your product in a, like a social media catalog. There's a lot of really great things you can do, like tagging your product, um, that links right to your website and making it super, super easy for customers to buy. But the biggest downside I have found, especially with the Facebook and Instagram selling is that there is no, uh, quote unquote bond with the customer when they're purchasing from you this way. Um, I think they have a sense of security about placing their order, especially when they can see you have a long social media history that you're an active business. You're not fly by night. Um, uh, Facebook as a company puts in pretty good protections for consumers who are spending money through their channel, um, which is good for consumers. They can feel pretty secure about their order. But there's also um, no hesitancy on the part of a consumer to, you know, return an item or whatever, do these things that are more costly for us as, as you know, lighting showrooms um, and feel absolutely justified and fine in doing it. And of course, the Facebook, you know, um, store setup, you have to put in your return policy and your ship times and same as anything else. Um, so it's not like, uh, you can't be clear about what your terms of sale are and we are, uh, on ours, but definitely, um, people are just way more comfortable with purchasing online and just returning than you would find, I think, from the typical consumer who comes into your store. And a lot of this is like just a lack of communication, a lack of a bond or a rapport with a customer. You know, I, this is sort of just a, a faceless website <laughs> that had some products on it that they liked at the right price. Um, but there's no like connection with a salesperson or somebody that asked a bunch of questions to figure out if it was the right item or to show them similar options or whatever, you know, you would do in store to make the customer, you know, really a hundred percent confident or as confident as they can be in that purchase. And especially through the meta platform, it's actually pretty difficult to communicate with the customers. Um, I also have launched in the past few months, a Shopify powered website. It is definitely still a work in progress, but we have gained our first uh, couple orders off of that website, which is very exciting. Um, but via the Shopify site, there's a clear channel of communication to the customer. I have their email address. I have their phone number. It's very clear to 
to communicate with them. But on Facebook, you're really uh, turning the communication method over to Facebook. So I can send a message to the consumer, but I don't actually know anything <laughs> about them. <laughs> um, it, so it's definitely a more challenging process um, in terms of like building that like back and forth partnership with a customer. And um, like recently we had an issue with a sale done uh, via, it was a Facebook order and the customer got their product and they liked it, but it was defective. It was an integral LED flush mount and it was defective right out of the box. And that's fine, um, but they didn't want a refund. They wanted a replacement good. Well, either I'm not sophisticated enough in my new skill, which is possible, <laughs> but I did certainly try. Uh, but I couldn't find a way via the Facebook selling platform to process an RGA for them. It was like refund or nothing as far as I could tell. So this new skill that I'm learning, there's still some gaps in my knowledge, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> but it ha really has been a diff um, a definite like evolution of my thought about what it is like to sell goods online and to definitely realize that every sales channel, brick and mortar, online, whatever it is, definitely has its challenges and things that maybe, maybe in some ways make it easier and in other ways make it harder to do business. And like this RGA issue was really challenging and um, the customer was a bit unhappy. We were able to have a good back and forth um, and I just was completely honest with her about, you know, basically we just have to re-enter the order to get you this product again. Um, so it was just sort of like, oh, if you just bought this from my store, <laughs> I could make this right for you in a matter of minutes. But because it was sold through this other platform and I kind of have to comply with their systems, um, it was really hard to make that happen. So um, the other thing, of course, that is no surprise about um, selling online is, you know, fraud and how much harder it is to detect fraud. It is way easier for somebody who is trying to, you know, do something shady. It is still way easier to do that via the internet than it is to walk into a store in person and do that. Um, and thankfully like a platform like Shopify, if you're not familiar, cause I certainly wasn't until about six hours ago, <laughs> Shopify has a way to flag, uh, transactions that it believes are a security risk. So they can do more investigating, get more information to protect, um, yourself as well as consumers from potential fraud. So that is, um, super helpful, but also, you know, time consuming and, uh, just a whole other step of things that you have to deal with. Um, and it made me understand why if you ever purchased anything from, uh, Amazon and had an issue or, uh, <laughs> a question, like it made me understand why Amazon makes it practically impossible to contact them about a problem. <laughs> They would have to have probably have doubled the staff to deal with um, all of the questions <laughs> that people would have and all of the issues that people would have um, if they made it at all easy to get a hold of them. So it doesn't make me like it anymore, but it definitely makes it 
easier to understand with sometimes um, the complexities of dealing with people. You know, people are still people and there's always going to have a certain set of challenges or issues, whether they are purchasing online, living online, or face-to-face in person. Like there's always going to be some level of headache or misunderstanding or whatever when you're dealing human to human um, via whatever channel. So I (laughs) I definitely get why uh, some websites avoid the human interaction on their side, or at least make it like six steps more difficult than it needs to be to reach them um, because otherwise I'm sure they would just be inundated um, with any number of minor random issues. (laughs) So it's just a reminder that um, no matter how you're running your business and whatever you're focusing on, um, there are challenges in every facet of what we do. And, you know, that's never going to go away. It's just you kind of trade one set of problems for a different set of problems. And one is neither better or worse than the other. It just is what it is. Um, They all are just going to have some difficulties. So my new skill that I have been working on is trying to find a a basic level of mastery of these online systems. And it is, oh goodness, it is uh, a little mind numbing, even for me, who's someone who enjoys, you know, database work and behind the scenes work and coding. And like, even though I enjoy that kind of work, it's still been a bit, um, a bit of a challenge to to really try to wrap my head around the best way to do this, to make it worth my time and investment as a business for the number of sales that I'm getting. So it's definitely been like a balancing act and um, try, trying to get even better and better um, about uh, d- dealing with these issues and, uh, you know, learning, quite honestly, all the new ways we, we do business these days. And uh, how to make it at least moderately successful for us. And um, the biggest challenge I have found to this success, especially trying to sell through these online channels, and y'all, this is going to come as no surprise, but the biggest headache I have is with data. I'm sorry to say, manufacturers, the data, it does not live up to standards in so many ways. <sighs> I wish it was just <laughs> an exception rather than the rule. And I hate that the data has to be so perfect, but it does. You would be sh- stunned, or maybe you wouldn't be stunned, but you would be stunned how that one exception, that one thing that got done wrong in the spreadsheet or whatever, that's what causes the heartache. That's where, you know, 10,000 things snowball and go wrong because this one thing was inputted incorrectly in a spreadsheet somewhere. The data, it has to be accurate. It has to be complete. It has to be as detailed as possible. It has to have all of the key pieces of information. We cannot have half the data. It has to be all of the data. And it still has to be scrubbed and confirmed by a third party like Exolites or Lights America. 
Um, there is just so much that goes wrong with the data being wrong. And for those of us that are primarily brick and mortar stores who are dipping our toes in this online sales world and not just via our own websites, right? Like usually want to make sales off of my own uh, store-based website, you know, one that the one that is holding hands with my brick and mortar store, those people were already customers, right? Like they'd already either been in the store and they were just finalizing a purchase or or something. So, so that's a little bit different case than when I'm broadcasting a, a whole online store via an Instagram platform um, to the, literally the entire world, although I only ship in the continental U- United States. So I think only those people see the product or they can only they can order it. But there is such a big audience for that product and that are seeing all the data and they're seeing the result of all this data, right? Like how, you know, how it's presented and whatever you get it, but it's just one mistake in that data feed can lead to one person's incorrect order or the wrong margin being on an order or any number of other things that snowball and create problems. Either the customer is unhappy because the product description didn't match, you know, what they actually received or me as the distributor is unhappy because the margin was all screwed up because the whatever was inputted wrong on the cost or the multiplier uh, or the picture was wrong or the picture showed this and it didn't show anyway. There's any number of things that can go wrong with the data feed. And I'm not going to be a crazy person and say, I, you know, think it should be perfect, but okay, I will be. I think it should be perfect (laughs) or as close to perfect as we can humanly get. We are humans. There will be mistakes, but what I see a lot is way more mistakes than necessary and on many things that are easily fixable. So we just all have to pay more attention. So I know I'm beating a dead horse here with that potential, you know, maybe because I say it a lot. It's been a while, but um, it is definitely in my new skill of uh, selling through these varied channels online. Um, it has become like like this big giant red flag of an issue that just comes up again and again and again. And it, um, I just have to say it, it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> so we can all be doing better on that. So what's your newest skill? What are you working on? What are you trying to do to find a different avenue for growth in your company or to reinforce an existing avenue of business that you have? Or what ways are you working to gain a new skill to just make your business operate more efficiently? I think in my own business, there's a lot of ways we could be more profitable if we were just simply more efficient. Um, So what are you doing on that? I would love to hear back from you. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please follow the podcast at Light Files. Please tell a friend, subscribe, like, rate the podcast, and join us in our Facebook discussion group, um, Light Files. And uh, I cannot wait to hear back from you and find out what you're working on for your business. Thank you so much, everyone. I'll talk to you next time and take care.